everybody. Welcome to Joey Hates Movies. Uh, I'm Joey, and I'm so self-centered that I'm in the title of the podcast, which explains a lot about um, how fragile my ego is, so I apologize to literally everyone about it all the time. Uh, thank you for doing the thing where you're listening to us. If you want to leave us a review on Apple, it helps a lot. But that's a lot to ask before you've actually listened to us talk about this. And I feel like we should be in the holiday cheer. This is like a, it's like a Christmas episode. Yeah. Keep Christ in Christmas. Am I right, Coral? Absolutely. I that's... Can I... An aside real quick, um, our friend Brooklyn was over earlier today. She was picking something up from me, mm-hmm. and uh, she was leaving, and she was going to fly away for, like, the holidays and the new year, and they're just going to be gone for a while. So I was just, like, as she was driving away slowly, I was waving and just, you know, oh, giving all these say- epithets, like, like, be safe, have a ha- happy holidays, great, great new year, I, I, all the luck in the world, and then I end with keep Christ in Christmas, which I mean, I'm just jokingly saying this loudly and we know that like, I don't actually mean that. I think it's kind of shitty. Um, but one of my, uh, neighbors in the apartment across the way walks (laughs) out the door and, and not like angrily looks at me, but just like, they're going about their day. This is like a, like, like an older lady. And she just looks over at me. Like I, I stopped her in her tracks (laughs) and (laughs) I just smiled. I smiled and waved. Was she, yeah, what was her was she like into it or was she like No, she wasn't into okay. it. She she, she thought mad. she thought I probably owned a red hat or something. Mm. Oh, she I, was I assumed that she thought you were being insensitive. Like mocking her no, 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 no. She thought that like I was a shitty person because I think that she was like a more progressive person, and that's like a like a gotcha, silly thought. Gotcha. So I, I think that was the situation, but I definitely like I stopped her walking so that she can she, she can look over at me, and I and I felt bad about it. I should have said like I'm very sorry. I was making a joke. I don't actually mean that, but instead I just didn't say anything. And that's been my experience so far with Christmas. Happy December, everybody. And I would argue that today's movie. Almost has nothing to do with Christmas either. <laughs> How dare you? I don't think I've ever watched. What are what what what, what are Christmas movies? Can we throw some out there? Home I'll Alone. Do, no. A Christmas Story. Wait, no. are you, did you tell me? Oh, you haven't seen it. Guys. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, you're right. That's a Christmas movie. No, I have not seen it. I uh, I don't think I've seen any any real Christmas movies. I think at one point in time I may have watched a Charlie Brown Christmas if that wants, if we want to count that. And maybe like an old like Rudolph, like the one that'll play on ABC every Christmas. Yeah, what about uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas? I don't think so. You don't know the story of the Grinch? I'm familiar I'm familiar how Jim Carrey made everyone really sad for a bit, but aside from that... I love what? that weird live-action remake. Oh, me too. It's so scary. <laughs> Very Terrifying. So I was kind of excited that we were going to watch a Christmas movie because, I mean, it's kind of cold where we are. I definitely feel like it's December and Christmassy. I don't know if yeah. anyone else is like getting that vibe, but like I, I don't feel... I, I'm not normally one who gets in the Christmas spirit, but it definitely feels like Christmas time, and I feel like this uh, watching it on TV kind of kind of helped with that. Cool. But what movie are we talking about today? We were talking about Black Christmas. It's a 1974 horror film uh, centered around Christmas. It's a group of sorority girls. Uh, right as Christmas break kicks in, they've been getting these like threatening, gross, creepy phone calls, and as everyone starts to head home for the holidays, one of them goes missing, and more of them go missing, and uh, yeah, it's just a little little slashery thriller about a bunch of sorority girls getting killed by some dude. What did you think the movie was about, Joey? I had no idea, and I realize that sometimes it's fun because I either like make up a story or extrapolate on what I think the story might have been about, or like I have some kind of a base idea. But on the last episode, when Coral said, "Hey, we're watching Black Christmas," I my mind is like, I've I think that's the first movie we've done on the show that I've never heard of. That's not true. Yeah, I didn't it's... hear about Persona either. So it's the second <laughs> movie that like I've never never heard of i think that's fair i think if you if you consider yourself like a horror person or you're into this kind of genre at all it it is held in high esteem and it's well known there have been multiple remakes of it um but outside of that little bubble i don't think people talk about it too much that's that's fair yeah because i like again just just no no idea Mm -hmm. and um i was interested in this movie not just because it was like a christmas movie but um uh after watching hereditary 
pardon me, I was like, you know, maybe I should watch more horror movies. Maybe I don't actually not like them mm-hmm. or like need to be like scared or spooked by them. It's just like a like an enjoyable type of uh, film sure. that I shouldn't just like uh, carte blanche cut off my list just because it's a horror movie. Yeah. So I was interested to like dip my toes back in the water so I can make more of an opinion on mm-hmm. that. Good. Yeah. We're doing our <laughs> job here on Joey Hates Movies then. A little bit. I'd say so. Um, this, this is also the first time I've ever watched this movie, so it's a, another fresh perspective. But for the reference, you were kind of privy to it existing. I knew that it involved uh, someone who was killing off women during Christmas. That's all I knew. I didn't know they were a sorority. I just knew that this was a killer who specifically targeted women, and it happened to be... I assumed that the movie was way more Christmas, <laughs> but it really is just using Christmas as like a set like backdrop yeah and it's a convenient plot reason for these girls to have a weird schedule and i (laughs) love this choice i love that it's not a christmas movie yeah i love that they don't stop the killer by really realizing that the thing that really matters (laughs) at this time of the year rudolph how much they care about rudolph doesn't run over the serial killer they're like oh well we solved all the things santa it's uh yeah you're right It's, it's like it's like a very almost savvy way to be like why can all these girls have such an uh, irregular schedule and like why are their parents coming around and why why is the sorority house just by and large empty too because there's only like you know seven girls instead of 70 girls in it is there normally that many girls in a sorority my experience with sorority house is that there's about 30 people living in there what not living i feel like they hang out it's like a clubhouse but i don't think but it's like seven to ten women who live in this building usually right my my i maybe 30 is a little bit high i'd say 20 to 30 oh from, from in both frat houses and sorority houses is is, is like my that sounds miserable. my ucla experience hmm. oh that's awful they're oh. very big houses have you ever seen one they're fucking giant oh. i'm curious what ucla ones look like because georgia ones they're just like nice southern houses the, uh, ucla ones look like uh like a big Beverly Hills house that wasn't maintained very well. Okay. Um, <laughs> that makes sense to me, yeah. And some of them are smaller, but, like, the big ones are big. And the sororities are bigger than the fraternities. Oh. They're, uh, they're, they're just, like, classic uh, Los Angeles houses. Hmm. Like, you, you can see a sorority house and be like, a movie star lives there. Yeah. But in reality, 20 to 30 girls yeah. live there. Um, <laughs> So the for from my perspective of, of being in these houses, the the sorority house where the girls actually in this movie was like kind of small. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this this is cool. I'm like, oh, they're having a Christmas party, and it's like they all definitely. Uh, I feel like I don't. I'm gonna admit, I think that I know none of the girls' names. Okay. <laughs> um, and I don't have great ways to describe them either. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jess is the one who makes it to the end. Yeah. Okay. So I wrote her name down. Okay. And I wrote down Billy's name. Okay. And aside, Good. Billy's important. <laughs> aside from that, uh, well, you don't, you don't, you don't know, know Barb. Barb. Well, Barb. Barb. I'm, Barb had the hair. Barb's my favorite. I love Barb. <laughs> Barb, Barb had the hair. Barb right? is always drunk. Barb has powerful 45-year-old divorcee energy. <laughs> oh, no, Barb's grandma? <laughs> no! No, Barb is, Barb is the drunk sorority girl. Okay. She has the big the big button-up and the choker and her hair's up. Oh, Barb has the choker. Yeah. Who's the one who has, like, the poofy fro hair? Uh, Andrea, Adria. Okay. And then Claire is the, the one who first goes missing. Yeah. Okay. So, so, yeah, so, so Claire's the freshman and Barb is, like, the... Is, is the badass who is on the phone with the, yeah. the person. And then there's the sorority house mom mm-hmm. who is a real thing sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Could, uh, that seems like the wildest job. Yeah. How do you get a job like that? I don't know. Where does do you your life go? Like <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I, she seems to handle it well. <laughs> this, Healthy. This movie, um, I didn't expect as much comedy as there was <laughs> mm-hmm. at all there's there's parts in here that aren't like like belly chuckle <laughs> but there's a lot of times where i'm looking at like that's funny yeah which is the thing that i do a lot i, I don't find myself <laughs> laughing a lot but just being like i understand why this is funny mm-hmm. um like vi- visual humor and and like uh, jokey 
the opposite of visual humor. Uh, <laughs> uh, auditory script restricted. Humor? Good writing. Okay. Comedy writing and visual humor <laughs> yeah. when you're still writing. Fuck me. Um, th- throughout. But okay. So so Jess, Choker Girl, Billy, Grandma, Poofy Hair, Freshman. Claire. Don't, I like Dad. Forget, don't forget Peter. Oh, yeah. You can't forget. <laughs> uh, he was Green Turtleneck. <laughs> yeah, I, I, didn't, I don't. I like your name for the sorority mom much better, Joey. <laughs> what? <laughs> Grandma Booth. <laughs> I did write on my notes, Grandma Booze. Um, did gra- I, I, I liked that, that Grandma was hiding booze throughout the house. I thought creative. that was funny. But then I'm also like, has no one noticed that there's a string tied to the handle of the toilet and she's hiding a bottle of booze in the tank? Probably not. Yeah. Very nit- I, how many? Very nitpicky. I don't think so. I think you would have noticed, but I don't think most people would. Yeah. I realize that more and more, and I wonder if I'm broken or if no one else has their eyes open. <laughs> uh, the movie, the movie. Uh, one thing that stood out to the movie, especially from the get-go, that I thought was really neat, is just how it starts with the title sequence, where it's just a static shot of the house. The, clearly it's Christmas time we see like a Christmas tree the lights are on mm-hmm. and it's kind of dark and a little bit spooky and cold outside but it reminded me straight up of Home Alone because Home Alone <laughs> begins in that same style shot where we are seeing a house from the outside and we are seeing the life on the inside from a very far perspective you know that things are hustling and bustling there and then the movie does one of my favorite things that a horror movie does it it very much copies Halloween or did Halloween come after this? This was first. This is one of the first, like, slasher movies. So Halloween copied mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Where we see the perspective of the killer, and it's a first-person perspective, and he's kind of wandering around the space. Um, he's You can hear the heavy breathing that becomes, like, kind of his his, uh, his calling card. And then my favorite thing happens where they it shows you briefly the space we're going to be playing in. I love it when a horror movie shows me the location we're going to be in and it shows me, it establishes the rules by showing you the the layout of the home. Mm. And I think that's really fun. I thought it was super cool that we never see like the bad man really and we just introduced him by this like Cloverfield camera handy cam perspective. Yeah, it's it's a lot of voyeurism which is like very present in most slasher movies but i it really ties into the themes of this movie as well the kind of like the passive threat women deal with all the time and how sometimes indecipherable it is from actual serial killer murder people is is this a feminist movie i would say it is i mean it's it's genuinely about like how everyday misogyny is is tied to murder (laughs) it like ties that string together for you very simply so i would say so this is a movie because like the the new movie is coming out and people are very upset about it because it is this very it it wears its like feminist badge very proudly that this new movie does Mm -hmm. and i wonder if this if the 1974 black christmas were to come out today there's never been a black christmas before do you think that it would be received in the same way the current movie is i think i think with things like twitter and the current uh film political climate i think it it would face a lot of pushback because this movie was so there wasn't a canon that it was participating in really when it came out versus this new one and i think a lot of the people who are upset about this one being unsubtle and its feminism are people who watched black christmas the first time decades after it came out and felt like it was a referencing a more dated sexism it wasn't something they had to contend with or interact with in that way mm-hmm. it was a movie about the past whereas this new one is about the present and is very engaged in current politics but but the that's the thing that stood out to me is like i i couldn't help but really love just how modern a lot of the ideas in this movie were mm-hmm. like i just that it was really unique that there was a horror movie where the monster is just the inability for like men to take women seriously like sure there is a serial killer but the real problem is like literally everyone else not listening to the girls at any point in the movie yeah all the way up through the end which is like whoa this is really scary in a way like 
That's like one of the worst fears that I think I have is if like I suddenly couldn't speak. But how much worse is it if you can speak and still no one's listening to you? Like, mm-hmm. whoa, that's fucked up. Oh. Yeah, I, I mean, every time someone goes to the cops, whether it's the mom about her 13-year-old that's missing or the girls themselves, it's, it's well, usually girls are with their boyfriend or something, and no one... She's probably that off with another guy or something. Infuriated me. <laughs> it made me so mad that, like, I think every man is shitty in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Or the, maybe the, not the dad. The lead, the lead cop is is he's better. trying. Yeah. But he's he still aware. Does, he still doesn't take things as seriously, yeah. though. I, I do think that the dad does. He definitely is the butt of all the jokes in the movie. And we're talking about Claire's dad mm-hmm. who goes missing. She's the first victim of the serial killer. Um, but he comes to the house looking for his daughter because she didn't show up for their trip that they have planned. And uh, she's just like vacuum sealed uh, yeah. in the attic. That was the one thing I was like, how are they not going in this woman's room? Like, <laughs> I thought she was killed in her, I thought ah. she was killed yeah. in her room. Yeah. Because she was, but I didn't realize that she got placed in the attic after. So I was like, is no one going in her room? Yeah. Like, come on. But then I realized what was happening. But yeah, the, the dad is very much seen as the butt of all jokes, but he genuinely does care about what his daughter my daughter's missing but he does also fall victim to like the cops well she's probably just out with a boy and he's very much like oh i'll go find the boy yeah Yeah. so he i do agree that he is complicit but i do think he is like of the most sympathetic Mm -hmm. mostly because he is kind of dumb yeah (laughs) yeah and he's so hand-wringy about her social life and her moral life at college and i think that's kind of that's the flip side you get for him being like a protective father figure who's concerned about his daughters that he but it's always one or the other right and yeah. that's kind of also the problem mm-hmm. that you're either in either the men are in complete control or they're just completely dismissive which yeah. i think the, the film does a good job of pointing out are both pretty serious problems yeah but um the first kill happens or well we're, we're quickly introduced to everyone in the movie mm-hmm. we already have like a quick uh, running tab list of all the names we have of everyone. Yeah. Well, what, what was it again, Joey? I do. Yeah, <laughs> there's, 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 there's dad and grandma and green turtleneck dude and big hair girl and choker girl and girl who dies first, who's the freshman and um, girl who survives at the end, and um, the other two girls who I think are uh, less important to remember for me. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's mostly it. Bad cops. Um, but they all kind of get around over this uh, this phone call. What happens? Yeah, the movie starts very aggressively and abruptly. I feel like they're having their Christmas party and the phone rings, and you get the sense that they've been being harassed by this this strange caller, and this is the newest phone call. And he says very explicit, actually was... threatening. Like it's uncomfortable, and that is one of that's the first scene in the movie. I was taken aback by how like. Strong it was, and that's probably just because we don't use the word cunt a lot. So to hear it, yeah. even like in, uh, even in like movie dialogue, like this is like whoa. I was whoa. Hold, I was, hold on. I was surprised to hear it in a movie that was this old. Yeah. Um, but not even just the fact that they use the word cunt, but just how sexually explicit the use of the word is. Like it's just, it's vile. Absolutely. And but the, the, that's the kicker, though, and I think that's what something the movie does so well is that. It establishes that these things have been happening, but it's also like, tell the guy to go. Like, it's something that they are just dealing with. Yeah, they don't like it, but there's, there's, they have no idea how seriously to take something like this. But in a way, it implies that something like this has always happened, Mm -hmm. which I'm, which is fucked up. Because like, (laughs) if if I got a call that was telling all the things that were going to be done to me, I'd be like, yo, I'm calling the police right now and we're going to get this sorted out because... I am not answering that phone again until the police capture. Yeah. And I think if I were in this situation in the movie, I think the police would have helped me. <laughs> I think they would have taken it very seriously. Because I think there would be, like, who's calling a guy and do, like, that's yeah. super weird. Yeah. Uh, someone prank calling a sorority house to say, like, sexual weird things. That's just, like, that's the frat house down the street. That's what guys do. That's yeah. just boys being boys, which yeah. is still part of the problem. <laughs> uh, but, but then we have our first kill, which... I would argue should be remembered as one of the most iconic kills. Like I say right up there with Psycho because I really love the perspective shot and the rising dread of the killer in her closet 
hitting hidden by uh, behind the plastic tarping of like her dresses and just seeing that 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 the voyeuristic shot of her wandering in her room and you just know he's waiting for the right moment yeah and, it gets going and like the way it builds the dread because it's not really like a dramatic music sting or anything yeah there's no there's no crazy violins it is just you know he's in there the movie has played fair with you and you're just waiting for the killer to take his first victim and mm -hmm. that i think is of the best kind of dread there is because it's not really a jump scare it's just rising dread yeah and oh it's so cool looking when it happens and just the way she looks dead with the plastic wrap and like gasping is such an upsetting image oh. for a corpse it's one of the worst ways you could die i would argue it's like yeah. up there with drowning yeah you are just losing your life slowly but, like, well, I guess I can't breathe anymore. Time to die. But, like, bringing it back to the Christmas theme, it really much, it very much looks like she's just a Christmas tree who's been placed in the <laughs> attic, kind of just collecting dust. Yeah. Waiting for someone to recognize her, kind of thing. There's so much weird shit in that attic. Why is there, like, a, a part of a merry-go-round and, uh... <laughs> I don't know, man. It's the um... 70s. People have merry-go-rounds and shit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know how stuff collects at a sorority house. I imagine there's a lot of like weird party props that just <laughs> get sent up there. Guys, I got a great idea. We're gonna do another carousel <laughs> party. And then like the elaborate hook system that's in place later. Like I have a lot of questions. Well, how else do you get how else do you get the horse down from the attic <laughs> if you don't have a full widget hook? Uh, the one thing where the movie really zagged for me is, is when I really understood that I understood nothing about the movie mm. was that the next day happened yeah. after the first kill. Excuse me. I assumed that this movie unfolded over the course of one night, and I thought Claire's death was the very first in a series of deaths that we would see over the next hour. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was just one night, one killer, we're done. You know, yeah. the mystery is solved at the end, like Halloween, mm -hmm. where it all unfolds on Halloween night for the most part. Yeah. Um, but that's not really the case with this movie. It it definitely lives during Christmas time for a really long time. Mm -hmm. um, and where does this movie take place somewhere it's northeast? not it's not new york no it, no is my canada? it's is, probably canada yeah. i feel like it's boston but i don't okay. think there's any like legitimacy to that but it's certainly cold and old yeah i just felt like i had a hard time placing because i'm like i've seen movies i've been places <laughs> but i don't know where this movie's taking place yeah. i just assume that it was northeast either on either side of the border it could be quebec it could be like boston adjacent yeah. something like that yeah. Something that's that's old-ish. So, what happens after after Claire's death? We get uh, basically no one realizes she's gone because they assume she turned in early to pack for a trip. Mm -hmm. And then we fast forward a few days, and that's when we meet her dad, because her yeah. dad gets hit with a snowball directly in the face by just <laughs> a college kid, right? Shit happens, dude. Man. He just gets dunked on from the gecko. <laughs> like you know, this guy's gonna be just the clown of the movie he's very short he's got really thick glasses he's balding yeah he's in he's in for a tough time he, he reminds me of the dad that you see in like stranger things or like uh like uh freaks and geeks he's like the uncaring 70s dad who does care but he's also like maybe served in the war at one point yeah and that kind of fucked him up a little bit and messed up the way he talks to people but he's just a quiet reserved man who really really cares about his daughter's like if she's being good yeah that's very much the like <laughs> i don't care what my daughter's doing as long as she's not being a slut because that's the worst thing my daughter could possibly there's, be Amen. there's a, a photo of her with her boyfriend and that upsets him to know that that she hangs out with boys and socializes <laughs> with boys and she might have a nice relationship yeah <clears throat> But granted, I don't think she does based on everyone else that we've seen. In well, this her her boyfriend's good. Wait, which one's her boyfriend? They grab him from hockey practice. Oh and yeah, he, he's like, the one who goes. He to the gets cops. the cops to pay yeah, attention he, finally. He's yeah. the one who goes up to the cops like, "Hey man, where's my girl? She's missing. Why aren't you taking Barb seriously?" Yeah. They're like, "Well, maybe she went off with another <laughs> another guy," and I feel like that really gets to him. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> not a great thing to say to someone whose girlfriend's missing. <laughs> yeah, bad cops. But I, I'm, I have a hard time thinking about a lot of things that happen in this movie because I feel like so much of it isn't particularly a horror movie in mm. that a lot of it's almost like a police procedural and that the police are yeah. like, we're trying to figure out what's happening. Where are these crazy phone calls coming from? Mm -hmm. Like it straight up feels like 
whatever that serial killer, along came a spider with Morgan Freeman, where they're trying to track down the phone call where it's coming from, and you see a man running around the, yeah. the phone bank trying to like. I didn't him. know that's how that worked, which is it's such a great like plot thing to put in a movie. I'm amazed I haven't seen that in more movies. It's so cool. It's looking. so stressful. Uh huh. Oh yeah. yeah, that's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to. Well, what else stood out to you about the movie, Joey? Uh. I was confused about the incessant phone calls until I kind of realized that they were happening after every time someone was killed. From the, the pervert, you mean? From the serial killer? Yeah, from uh, Billy. Yeah. And he would call to put the victim like on the line. So they were listening yes. to people die. But they didn't realize. But, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really cool that the movie does a, a good job of establishing the M.O of the killer mm -hmm. like just what their calling card is without spelling it out very clearly like it just trusts the audience which is kind of baffling to me again in 1974 there's a lot of trust being placed in the audience in a movie like this which is why i just i didn't realize that this came out before halloween so i just assumed the entire time I was like oh it's doing what halloween does yeah this movie came out the same year as texas chainsaw massacre and together they're considered the first slasher movies that give us all these tropes of voyeurism and, and shots from the killer's perspective and a bunch of girls getting killed off and even kind of you can make an argument that jess is the first like final girl yeah yeah that's a trope that. you hear from but but i think that unlike a lot of slasher movies i've seen this one feels like the like these these two specifically texas chainsaw and black christmas feel like they have the most to say uh, yeah like, i agree like using horror as the ability to talk about things that humans just are really uncomfortable talking about and just like really showcasing the problems of humanity through this really approachable lens of like ah these people are getting murdered isn't this crazy mm -hmm. like there, there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack which i appreciate like fuck the police yeah dude <laughs> they're the worst um one, one of the the storylines i didn't really expect to see in the movie is uh who jess the, mm -hmm. she, jess um the storyline that we find out with her boyfriend peter 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 we he is like some weird piano prodigy man oh, he's in some music concert yeah something like he, he that he thinks he's hot shit and at least he's been told he's hot shit all his life mm -hmm. and he's been kind of primed to be hot shit at piano and the one thing his entire life is kind of waiting on is his his, his girl jess he really wants jess in his life but I get the vibe from their conversation that Jess is kind of over Peter. And that Jess has to manage his emotions all the time. Because she reveals to him that she is pregnant with his baby, to which he is thrilled because in his mind, he's thinking, got her. Yeah. <laughs> get this going. All right, perfect. We're going to get married and I don't have to worry about the girl problem anymore. Yeah. I got this on lock. But she presents again. I would assume something that's very progressive for the 70s, especially the early 70s. It has to be, right? What was Roe versus Wade? 73. Oh, so this is hot on the heels yeah. of Roe versus Wade. And she reveals that she wants to get an abortion, to which he says, how could you do this to me? <laughs> like, he very much... Like, it's his fucking choice. Yeah. Like, he very much makes it about him when really she has made her choice and again, I understand I am looking at things from a 2019 perspective, but the movie does really paint Peter as really just this real dinkus of a, of a human yeah, being. Yeah, and he, part of his anger is like, don't get an abortion. But the other part of it is, how dare you dump this information on me? You know tomorrow is important. And like that, that lack of awareness of like, this is a much bigger deal for her. And you, you can't even look at it from like a supporting your girlfriend perspective, you're upset that it might impact your day. My boy lacks some empathy. Yeah. And yeah. by some, I mean a lot. <laughs> yeah, and he does really fuck up that piano performance, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was watching that scene and I was like, I don't, I don't think he's playing good yeah. piano. Yeah, the, the first time there was part of me that's like, is this like really good experimental piano <laughs> work? Or maybe he's going like a prog, a prog Is he like channeling his rage into this excellent performance? No, he Bro. just bombed. God, I was like, this isn't 
good, but maybe I'm just like an unsophisticated. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know piano stuff. So I'm I'm happy to report that I'm I'm glad thinking that I was correct and assuming it was going bad. But yeah, like that's just it. Not only paints the movie doesn't only paint Peter as a dinkus, but it just makes him look so pathetic. And it really like I don't know how you could watch uh, this scene specifically in the movie and not sympathize with Jess and her plight and just how you can extrapolate that into the plight of women that we see today who maybe want to get an abortion. Like, it always does seem to go back to what about me? Think about what I'm going through mm-hmm. as the man in this. Like, yeah, very forward thinking for, for 74 and very controversial for hot off the heels of Roe versus Wade. I'm- I would actually make an argument that people talked a lot more about abortion and media was in general much more blatantly pro-choice in the in the 70s and immediately before and following roe v wade whereas like nowadays you're hard pressed to see the word abortion used even in shows where that's a plot point they're going to talk around it in circles how how does that happen though how is it that we have something that we're so it's so easy to talk about for a decade that's 40 years in our past at this 50 years in our (laughs) 40 45 yeah 45 yeah sorry sorry but 45 years in our past, and how is it something that, like, it's harder to talk about now? It's probably the Russians. <laughs> but without it being like, if you were to make this a point, if this is a plot, I don't know, I haven't seen the new Black Christmas. Mm-hmm. But if this same plot beat comes back in the new Black Christmas, how much are people going to be like, you're just hitting me he- over the head with, Absolutely. with blatant, you're just being, get your politics out of my horror movie. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need this progressive you have politics entertainment. I don't know. <laughs> entertainment, politics, never shall the two meet. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, I do understand how that happens, but it sucks that that happens because mm-hmm. it really should just be something that we should be able to tell stories about because... That's how you tell more interesting stories. Yeah, and it's not, I mean, abortion is pretty common. It's it's surprising that it doesn't come up more in plot points, whether it's represented well or not. Like, I think it's like a third of women will have an abortion. Yeah, I would It's a it, normal part of women's lives and it, you don't see it if, at all. If I heard it in a movie, I'd be like, oh, how risque. They're talking yeah. about abortion. But it's really, it's it shocking <laughs> when it pops up in this movie. It's a plot point in uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High as well. And I remember being shocked the first time i watched that movie that this like fun teen romp someone also has to get an abortion and then they're back on the fun <laughs> i've never seen fast time so i gotta yeah. I gotta watch that and find out but yeah yeah that, that really stood out to me that was one of those like whoa mm-hmm. this is this is a this is a heavy point we're making here yeah yeah i i feel like it's it's interesting to look back at it from our current lens because you know instantly it's like whoa this is like a thing that's kind of touchy but like it's not or it shouldn't be but we've come to be so gun shy about it in our current climate that like it retroactively feels like mm-hmm. whoa but uh it's like i'm watching it at the same time i'm like hey good for you jess <laughs> i, I want to talk about booze grandma real quick mm-hmm. does she like the sorority or does she tolerate it and she uses the booze to tolerate it Oh, she probably has a lot of problems, and <laughs> she's, like, happy to be there. I think that she likes it. Do you think it's her reliving the glory days? I, I get the sense she was a party girl, for sure. Oh, I think, yeah. I think she loves the girls but resents her job. Do you think that her job or her age? Probably both. Yeah. I mean, even that first scene where they, like, they clearly love her. And they got her a Christmas gift, but it is just a the, hideous moo moo. It's a moo moo, and then they make her put it on. Like there's a, there's a very like you understand why someone would resent that and be very aware that they are not a fun teen girl anymore. But also there's there's love in that relationship yeah. and comfort in that relationship. I wouldn't go so so far as to say that it is like a study of what happened, like a study or an examination of like a former youth turned old person who's now looking back and like kind of bitter about it Mm -hmm. i wouldn't go that far i just think it's a a thing that would happen with anyone in that situation if you were used to be a party person and suddenly you are the one that everyone puts a a funky moo moo on yeah but you know she was a party person because she's hiding whiskey in a a book and a toilet (laughs) and more places it's all (laughs) over the place um she she was fun i was sad to see her i was sad to see her go 
Damn it. She went out in a pretty pretty righteous way. She got hit in the face I, with a hook. Yeah, I don't quite understand the full logistics of blunt force trauma while on a ladder but staying up but also getting hooked and then getting I was I I I, I was trying to think out a little bit too much what actually happened. I'm just <laughs> yeah. like, you know what, she's dead, it's fine. Yeah, she, she got hooked, and I just assumed she was hanging by her head. I felt the same way with like the glass unicorn stabbing. I'm like, that's not sharp enough to do that. Also, that glass. Maybe he's very strong. Yeah. If you're strong enough, it'll know. <laughs> it, anything is a blood force. Yeah. It looked pretty sharp. I, I want to talk about Barb for a second. Yes, I love Barb. She is the only person who stands out to me immediately as a character mm-hmm. who is has her own things going on and I think she goes about coping with them in (laughs) the most logical way. Barb strikes me as, I don't know if this is true or not, this is just my reading of her, that Barb is the oldest person at the sorority outside of Grandma Booze. I think that's true. And she has lived with these kinds of phone calls and she has lived with people not taking her seriously her entire life and therefore why not just be drunk all the time? Yeah, she has fun with everything that's happening. In the first scene, she grabs the phone and starts, like, goading this guy on until he makes a threat on their lives. And then that's when it gets serious. But she's having a fun time with it up until then. Because she's used to it, unfortunately. And the same when she goes to talk to the cop. She realizes that conversation is not going to be productive. And I don't even understand how telephone codes, what any of that all means. But she tells him that the sorority's telephone coat is fellatio and has a great time with that and goes on her way <laughs> yeah what did that i was like is it because sometimes numbers can represent letters I, like what's no idea <laughs> and also speaking of dumb people in the movie like we have the dad who's just dinkus number one we have peter dinkus number two and then mm-hmm. we have cop yeah i forget i his think name. it's nash nash yeah. Uh, yeah nash nash is the most incompetent <sighs> And all the other, like, everyone else knows it. This isn't a, he's not skating by on on being a guy and all the other guys think he's great. Everyone hates him and thinks he's an idiot. But he also feels like the only one that that takes the women seriously to some extent. And I think that's even scarier. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, well, if Nash believes him, <laughs> like, oh, they, they don't know what's going on. So, yeah, yeah, we have several incompetent men in the movie. Um, but Barb, Barb, she's... She is the one who I, I feel like is a tragic character. I really wanted Barb to make it out alive mm-hmm. because I was like, you know, you, she 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 made her way through the tour in Vietnam and she could <laughs> see the helicopters on the horizon. Yeah. That, Boom, landmine. But that last night, the, the killer gets in her house and she's she's she was just too drunk. Her folly she's is too drunk. Just, and you see that that weakness when she has an asthma attack right before, and that's you you can see her crumbling. Great fake out. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. And and then Jess helps her with the asthma attack, but then isn't there for the real attack. Because of the children's choir that's at the door. <laughs> which it's is, Christmas. It's a Christmas movie. Really. It just it just goes back to like the you know, this this tragic stuff is happening, but they do like find weird places to pack in humor. Mm-hmm. And the idea of like, you know, she can't hear her friend being murdered because of this annoying kids' yeah. Christmas choir is like just funny. It's just funny. But that's the thing that really scares me about the movie. I'm I'm always like the one of the things that scares me most in horror movies is just the idea that while I my f- attention is being placed somewhere else, there's something sinister happening behind me. Mm-hmm. Like the killer is moving into a different position. So if I thought I knew where he was, no longer now. So it's the uncertainty again of returning to the the present from the distraction, which is which is pretty cool. <laughs> like that that part always gets me. Um, but then, uh, I think the climax of the movie unfolds where, you know, the, throughout the entire movie, they're trying, the police are trying to, to track down the phone call. Yeah. They, they can't keep the, the killer on the phone long enough to, to place and locate where the call is taking place. And then this is where I thought I was watching a different movie. <laughs> I thought this is the movie where they would answer and say, the call is coming from inside the building. Q killer bursting out of his yeah. hiding spot chasing someone down something similar happens but once we find it's never a surprise that the killer is calling from within the house at least for us yeah we know this right did you know that joey well yeah but, i mean you see everything from the killer's perspective is inside the house at all times he comes and he climbs in the attic and uh the movie i was confusing it for was when a stranger calls 
which had a very similar scene where a woman and the police go about a very similar situation. They find out where the call is coming from, but the big dramatic reveal that you didn't know in that movie is that the killer was calling from within the house. Cue killer bursting out, trying to kill a woman. The police stop and shoot him. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, they save the day. And at first, when I watched this movie, I thought I didn't like how it ended. Really? Because I was like, I thought that would have been such a more fun reveal if the killer would have burst out at that moment and mm -hmm. then the final chase would have begun. Uh, I don't know. No, and then I thought about it a little more and I think I enjoy this a lot more because we see the most we ever see of the killer and it's scary. That shot of his eye glowing red is so upsetting to me. It is terrifying mm -hmm. i truly do not like that shot mm -hmm. well how did you feel about it jerry i thought i was fine with it you, did you think it was cool no, i know you I don't just, like eyes right i don't like eyes <laughs> but i was i was like i'm like okay this this makes sense like this is the most that we're seeing of this person yeah. and it is still the most that we see of that person it's not like we get a moment of like this is billy it's just like oh he's just there it's yeah. just there. It's a good struggle, too, in that, like, you know, he, he really, he, he reaches for her hair and grabs it and she slips out. You really feel a lot of the momentum and the clumsiness of our human bodies in intense situations, which I really like. It's very much, I think, a realistic way of how anyone would react in that situation. I yeah. just wish Jess would have, like, listened to the guy on the phone. I don't know. I feel like it's hard to listen when it's like... Motherfucker, there's someone in my house right now. Yeah. And you, yeah, you know go. your friends, or you think, your friends are asleep upstairs. Close. What if, Joey, what if I was still asleep <laughs> and the police were like, fuck Nick, get out of there now. What would you do? You would abandon me? <laughs> <laughs> and she she has that that debate yes. with herself where she doesn't go check on them. She stands in the stairway and just screams and she just she just wants to hear her friends. Like she she knows that she should go and she's having that struggle. But she has a heart. You see that through the whole movie. She takes care of everyone. And yeah, Joey, do you? No. <laughs> leave. But but then self-preservation, man. It's pretty strong. <laughs> she she locks her way into the into the ba the basement. Locks the door. And then the craziness happens. I would say the craziness happens. Yeah. The, the killer seemingly gives up, but then it's like, oh, if I was in that situation, I am in lockdown mode. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. But as soon as he leaves, we hear Peter out in the front yard. It's pretty, hey, I'm here to help. It's pretty convenient. <laughs> Is everything okay? And up until this point, Jess has not believed that Peter was the killer yeah the cops have floated the idea to her and they're working on it but the cops believe that peter's the killer they i, I believe that they've already made up their minds and they're mm -hmm. just trying to prove it at this point mm. and i think at this point jess is letting their suggestions get the better of her judgment mm -hmm. understandably so because she's also in a super high stress situation yeah um but what what happens to peter coral he well he kind of breaks into the basement it's an aggressive move it is it's very hostile and and she responds thinking that he is the aggressor and they kind of have their own struggle and he does she just kill him or does he die kind of in the struggle i think she i think I it think doesn't actually him, we don't really know like, for sure yeah, you don't really i assume she defended herself against him because he was probably still trying to be aggressive in a way yeah. that he was approaching her uh, he did not, definitely did not gauge the situation well. No. Uh, but he winds up dead, and the police are like, "Case did closed." It. They find the other bodies. They they put her in a room. Case yeah. open and closed, Johnson. Let's. Uh, we were right the entire time. Jess, all th this house where everyone you knew and loved <laughs> was murdered. Go ahead and take take a, a nap. <laughs> we're take five. We're gonna go to the morgue. We have our we have our our copper outside. He's gonna watch over you. It's all gonna be fine. Mm -hmm. Let's uh, rag, wrap him and tag him. Let's bounce. We're good. And then that the credits. That's when I was like, oh. <laughs> that's when I was like, this is a movie about men not listening <laughs> to women. Oh no! And then the scary thing happens. It's not inherently like jump out scary, 
But then the, that, that camera move, I can't mm-hmm. stop thinking about that camera move that, that sweeps from a sleeping Jess into an empty room. And then we hear some chuckle, some laughter, some light laughter that builds and builds until we finally get a shot of another bedroom, more laughter. And then we see the ladder to the attic where where I believe what happens is the killer hid under the bed while the cops were in the house and they went to investigate the attic and found everybody. Mm-hmm. But as soon as the police left the premises, that's when he left his hiding spot and went out back into the attic and is going to presumably kill her. Yeah. Because the phone rings again mm-hmm. as we are rolling credits and the police officer outside just ignores it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he does kill her. I don't think that she makes it out alive. No, no, she doesn't. Like, we don't know for a hundred percent fact that she does get killed, but like, I think it's imp- like she's weak and unconscious, yeah, alone she, in the house with a killer. She will she's be still in the house, and yeah. I'm, I'm like, all the phone calls happen after kills. Yeah, or mid. Or yeah, yeah. or like mid murder. So like, the fact that the phone's ringing again is like, well. That's it. I, I think the thing that confirms it is just the cop ignoring it, though. Like, I think that's mm. the linchpin of like. She is now dead. Yeah. The phone ringing over the credits and just that static shot to kind of bookend mm-hmm. is like probably the creepiest part of the film for me. That was pretty good. I really like that part. It was a, it was a, a very Christmassy movie. <laughs> it's In snowy. That- There's Christmas lights. <laughs> I, but I really do like that the movie is not inherently about Christmas, I, although I don't know how you would make I mean, Krampus is a Christmas yeah, movie. Yeah, and there's, like, Killer Santa. Like, there's... You could do it. It's just... It's using Christmas as just a fun setting in the mm-hmm. way a Shane Black movie will often yeah. use Christmas as a fun setting. And I think thematically it does fit. I mean, the whole... The killer being inside of the house where he's, like, a part of your daily life fits, and I think the way Christmas is very domestic and comforting, but it's like perversing all of these like normal everyday things into the danger that lies beneath them. So I think Christmas is a good, good mood for that kind of setting. You you know, there was a post that was, he knows when you've been naughty or nice. He knows when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake. Like, you know, that's definitely a tagline (laughs) for a post or somewhere. Um, I just, before we wrap up, what is up with the killer? Is he's just like have, obviously every serial killer has something that's not firing right in their head. But yeah, that's a very I don't, I don't know. Well, he he seems very infantile. He mentions uh, another woman or a sister uh, at one point. In one of the your name starts with a B, also. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you you see that a lot with like slasher killers. That if it, if the killer is a man, there is something. Childhood trauma. Some childhood trauma and some inner family perverse fucked upness is like the source of what's wrong with them. So I would assume just weird childhood trauma. It really felt like a cross between Leatherface and just, I, I don't know, like it. Even, even Michael in Halloween, his like trigger when he first kills when he's a little kid is seeing his older sister naked or have sex. Having sex, yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. And I think that something similar probably happened in this movie mm-hmm. um, with the the killer. But but th- anything's assumed, right? Like we really don't have any information on. No. Him. We don't know if like that's no. his house or who this other person is he talks about. And, and I what think is- a lesser movie would tease a lot more backstory about him. This makes it so much scarier. Mm-hmm. The fact that he is just this weird entity that is almost like I don't know, almost ghost like. But yeah. I don't know, man. Well, it feels the same way, like, in games, too. You know, we see a lot of games that are horror games that are stronger when you don't know what the horror is. And as soon as you do, you're like, okay, this is somehow less scary. It's like it's like you, when things are fully in your mind, like, who is this person? What do they look like? Why are they here? Why do they want to kill this, these girls? Like, they become some kind of a non-human. Ultimately... This person is just like a fucked up, super broken, mentally unstable man mm-hmm. who like, if you break it down like that and you saw a picture of him, you can probably like relate to them or feel empathy for them or be like, oh, well, they, you know, need help because they do. But by knowing nothing about them, they're so much more like a monster than a human. Yeah. He's just the violence you see. Why is it then that slasher movies inspired by this or after this 
decided to really give a backstory for their killers because I feel like this is so much stronger. Yeah, I mean, how do you resist? You know, like that's yeah. the most interesting part of your most interesting person in your slasher movie is probably going to be your killer. I understand the need to like tell that story. Yeah, I guess that's the the struggle of the filmmaker. I guess you know. Yeah. You you want to flush out who might be the most interesting character, but by doing that, you might also make the movie your horror movie less scary. Yeah, I think it works. Like Texas Chainsaw, you you have a lot of information about that whole family, and I think it strengthens it. But I think situation. I feel sorry for Leatherface still. Yeah. To some extent, because he is like, oh, yeah, he was he got probably <laughs> locked in a cage and shit. Like, yeah. And even to some extent, like a, a Jason, like his mom abused him. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know. Freddy, I don't like, he was a pedophile, so <laughs> I, yeah, he's funny, I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, I, I think out of all of them, this seems the most scary mm -hmm. just because of how unknown it is. But yeah. is, there, is there anything we're missing, Coral? I don't think so. Um, I think it's probably worth pointing out the director of this, Roy. Campbell? Rob, Bob Clark. Oh. The writer is Roy Moore. The director is Bob Clark. Uh, also directed Porky's, which oh. is a very interesting. That's another voyeuristic. Yeah, movie. that is that is the same type of like male bullshit that is aggressive towards women, but flipped where it's just a fun comedy. It's genuinely just about boys being boys, but they're also like voyeur makes boyers. Me wonder what his perspective on all this is. Because yeah. you think that like by making this movie, he'd be a little. I guess woke for lack of a better word, but then to turn around and like make Porky's is like, wait a second. Yeah. Or maybe he just understood how to make a lot of money in the back in the day, mm -hmm. which is uh, like a sad truth of how a lot of I think especially how a thing like Porky's gets made. Like make a, a fun teen sex comedy romp. Like sure, mm -hmm. but it it is weird that there is an almost identical on the <laughs> flip side yeah. of the spectrum. Like that's just weird. Yeah. And I, I do think it, it kind of toes the line of like how a horror and comedy kind of overlap to some extent. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is the logical extreme of the comedy side of things. But might be just as horrible. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen Porky. I just know it's about a dude looking at a girl shower through a, a peephole. I can envision the box art of Porky's because I'm pretty sure that my dad owns a copy. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, Mr. Thibian. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or maybe it's the CD. It's really, I have never seen it. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> well, I am glad that I saw Black Christmas. Yeah, it's, how, what are you... Well, it's a ranking. It's, um, I, I, I realize that I'm going to have to, like, I'm, I'm going to keep updating. I'm going to, like, the list that I made, I'm going to keep updating it. So, like, it'll, I, I should do that ahead of time so I can give more context. I feel like that'll be helpful. It's a lesson that I've learned here today. <laughs> um, but... Uh, like but not love, top like top fifty percent, but like right. closer to the middle, I'd say. Got it. Um, but 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 in the top half to of know. movies we've seen. So uh, that's just more in the case of maybe I don't dislike horror movies. Yeah, maybe maybe you love horror. Or maybe it's <laughs> like stuff that's like super woke. Dude, what? Is, we're gonna take you to you know Fangoria, and we're just gonna have a good time. Oh man, we should make him watch Hellraiser. Ooh. The the horn movie? <laughs> it is horny. <laughs> but like the, the the red dude? Nah. Oh, that's Hellboy. <laughs> Shit. Uh, my bad. Um, pins, not horns. <laughs> so um, as 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 we wrap this all up, um, there's a there's something that I kind of want to spring on you, I oh. guess, for lack of a better word. The next podcast is gonna come out at or around ish my birthday and i don't want to pull like the a it's my birthday bitch i don't like where type, we're going type thing but um oh it's a very loud jet <sighs> sorry man the government's probably doing something bad right now <laughs> we haven't looked at, none of us have looked at any news updates you, you, no. you have no idea what could be going on right now or why there's loud planes over los angeles that's real mm. whore <laughs> um I'm gonna, uh, for the first time, pick a movie, which I don't want to make a habit out of. 
I think I think it's I think it's not entirely. <laughs> I, I don't think it's entirely fair. I think I like it much more when you force me to watch something. I think that's that's more engaging. And now that I said all that, I'm going to throw it out the window and say that that I'm going to pick something that that I've wanted to see for a bit now. Oh, I'm dying to know what you wanted Do, to see. Now I think to give to give a slight clue, I've referenced this before. Um, do 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 you care to hanker a guess? I think I know. Coral, do you have a guess? I don't. I can. I have the spot in my brain where I should hold that information, but I can't get it. If I had to guess, I think it's gonna be Alex Garland's Ex Machina. No, okay. that's a good guess though because that is a movie that eventually I want to see, and it may or may not become a podcast version uh, for like a lot of reasons. That's definitely like uh, we talked about on the last show, Blade Runner. Like something that I make a short list of movies that I want that I'd want to see. Um, but this is a movie that I want to see because I make so many jokes about it, but I have oh, never. No. Go on. <laughs> what? Do you know what it is now? Is it Schindler's List? What? No! Oh, what? Hold on! What? Can we... What? Can... We either have to unpack that or cut that out of the recording. What the fuck kind of a monster do you think I, I am? Also... All... Yes! Because it's very important in, in human history. Also, I've seen Schindler's List. Thank you. Oh, okay. Um... Probably your favorite Spielberg, right? <laughs> Schindler's List and then Jurassic Park. That's it. <laughs> no comment. Um, it, it, it's a movie that I make jokes about all the time as, as like a reference. Oh, I know what it is, but I can't... Uh, can't think about what it is? No. Um, I mean, any clues that I think would probably just immediately give it away. So I'll just say that um, I want to finally watch Crank. <laughs> I hate Crank. <laughs> Why do you always <laughs> reference Crank? What do you I do it so often. <laughs> I hate Crank. Yeah. Crank is one of my least favorite movies of all time. It is <laughs> abhorrent. Uh, fun fact. Did you know that Crank is Jason Statham's favorite movie that he's made? Of course it is. <laughs> it's the most Jason Statham thing anything could ever be. I feel like I feel like I need to watch it so that when I make jokes about it, I can like understand the whole movie or stop I'm, making jokes. I'm about so it. mad! I have to rewatch Craig. <laughs> what if we, uh, I watched it like a month ago. <laughs> I feel like that could probably count, right? I don't know. I don't know. Oh boy. I think we have to do a movie night where we just all watch Crank together. Because <laughs> I've never seen Crank. Yeah. That might make it more enjoyable. Um, well, I'm sorry. I guess. I'm going to reiterate that this is for my birthday, so that makes everything okay. <laughs> what a, um, we've clearly taught you nothing yet. What? No, okay. I mean, it, I could have been like, oh, you know, I want to watch Ex Machina, but I feel like that's like in the vein of stuff that we've done before on the yeah, show. Yeah, you're right. It's important um, to do something that we don't normally do. I can be like, oh, like I eventually want to watch Mulholland Drive, but I feel like eventually at some point in time you'll want to do that anyways. Yeah. So I don't think we have to. Or like, um, yeah, I would never pick Crank, so you're really. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to out of the way that would just never yeah, have been there's a lot chosen. to talk about <laughs> so um <laughs> that's, that's the next movie uh, uh merry christmas happy holidays everyone i uh, hope you're having a good holiday season thank you for spending this time with us uh thank you for supporting us uh through cyber garbage and uh thank you for 2019 we did uh i think the the, the total is 17 movies which yeah. feels pretty good yeah. yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy with what we did this year. So thanks to both of you two. Uh, thank you for making me probably a better person. I mean, you still chose to watch Crank, so I don't know how good we're doing. <laughs> it's 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 a reprieve, maybe. <laughs> Dude, we're gonna. I've got to plug myself into an outlet, and I'll be so excited. 
We are we're starting 2020. Dude, strong. I got a, you got me a tall boy Asahi, and I'm gonna watch it the way Statham intended. <laughs> cranked out. Um, but yeah, so uh, when, when when you see us next time, it'll be crank. And until then, happy new year, everybody. Happy new year. Bye.